podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right, welcome to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle, and today we have another great guest with us, Zach White. Zach, welcome to the show. Kyle, what a privilege to be here. So excited for the conversation. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, excited to talk to you. So let me do a quick intro for you, Zach, and then we'll have you tell us a little bit more about yourself. But Zach is the founder and CEO of Oasis of Courage. He is a former engineer turned engineering leadership coach. Uh, Zach, let, tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you do, and uh, you know who you are. As you mentioned, Kyle, my journey did begin in engineering, mechanical engineering at Purdue boiler up for all my boilermakers listening. I got my mechanical engineering degree bachelor's there at Purdue university in West Lafayette and jumped bright eyed and bushy tailed into my career at Whirlpool corporation, uh, joined a leadership development program that they have in the corporation and had all of the big goals and dreams to be super successful and have the amazing life that I'd always wanted and make my mother proud. <laughs> and uh, went on, you know, ended up getting a master's in mechanical engineering uh, from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And Kyle, I fell into uh, a common trap that I know we'll talk about more today of a, a heavy pursuit of success that I wanted so badly in my career, but I only knew one strategy. And it was to simply keep getting smarter and working harder. And over time, the downward spiral began, you know, longer hours, more focus on career, becoming very one dimensional in terms of career pursuit, not paying attention to what was going on in my life and hit a real rock bottom burnout experience in my own journey. And sitting across a table from a divorce attorney, you know, getting divorced, feeling depressed, embarrassed, frustrated, angry, and wondering how did my life end up here? And after that transformed my approach, came at this in a whole new way. A lot changed in that time. My career exploded, my success higher than ever, you know, doubled my income, promotion after promotion, found an, a new and amazing relationship. My now wife, Johanna, who I love so dearly, and things have never been better. And at some point in there, leapt out of my career journey to start this business, Oasis of Courage or OACO for short, and taking everything that I discovered through that transformation and building it into a system of action that engineering leaders can follow to get similar results and avoid burnout along the way. And, and that's what brought us together. And it's been a wild ride, but so rewarding and just a deep passion for engineering. And I love it, but also this deep passion for coaching and transformational work in humans and bringing those two things together. Okay. Th this is awesome. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about it because you, you touched on a number of different things that I want to, to pull on and uh, discuss because I think that there's so much there for, for all of us and for everybody listening. But before we dive into that, what else do you like to do? You know, you, obviously there's a lot of things there with the coaching and the mentorship and the, the founding of your business, but outside of all of those things, you know, what else do you like to do outside of the office? Yeah. Well, there's such a long list, Kyle, but I'll name a couple of the more interesting ones that I enjoy. One, this is the time of year I start thinking about downhill snowboarding and snow sports. I live in Michigan, which is not the best snowboarding in the world, but I already have uh, a two-week trip booked to come out your direction. I'm headed to Copper Mountain, Colorado, so won't be in Utah, Kyle, but maybe next year I'll, I'll head out towards uh, towards Utah. But I love to snowboard. My wife and I also do acrobatic yoga or acro for short. So any anyone out there who's ever seen couples doing that crazy aerial and acrobatic yoga, I highly recommend it. It's super fun. It's very athletic and it's a relationship builder. <laughs> if you have any problems in your relationship, they come to the surface doing acro. Um, and then my wife and I also like to dance. We do ballroom and Latin dancing for those who uh, have known 
me or follow me on the happy engineer podcast. I talk about being the dancing nerd. Sometimes I did competition ballroom at Purdue and I still dance to this day. It's, it's super fun. So keeps me balanced from my engineering mindset to get out on the dance floor and, and cut loose a little bit. So that's a couple, Kyle, we could keep going, but I think I'm a man of many passions when it comes to life and just enjoying life. I, I love to love life and and there's so many ways to do that, but there's a couple. Very, very nice. Um, we'll probably have to touch on a little bit more of those things as, as we go through, because I, I think that some of those threads as well are important as we talk about careers and uh, and burnout, kind of like you mentioned, and, and things that we can do. Um, but you're absolutely right the time of year for skiing and snowboarding. I'm actually a skier myself. So um, I am anxiously waiting for a number of the ski resorts to start opening here in Utah. Yes, We, we just got, um, we, we actually just got like six inches of snow um, okay. overnight, which is, uh, is crazy. So I know there are a number of ski resorts already opening and uh, a number are slated to open over the next week or so. So exciting we, we we are primed and ready to, to no doubt the slope. hopefully by the time this airs you'll have had your first day on the slopes kyle i have no doubt my kids are already asking like when are we going to go skiing so we're super <laughs> excited to get i home. love it yeah all right well um you kind of touched on your journey uh you know getting into engineering going through the the process that i think so many of us get into of, you know, getting into a career and getting into the mindset of, you know, we have to, to really dive in and work hard and, you know, just go deeper and deeper and more and more and get really get on, uh, almost on the treadmill of, um, more and more in order to be successful. And, and that brought you to a point of, uh, almost a, a low point, as you described it in your life. Can you tell us more about that? You know, you, you hit a bottom almost, um, you know, what was that like? And, and what was really the turning point for you as you went through that process and, and realized that there has to be more, or, you know, I can't keep doing this type of thing, uh, and really be successful, or I can't keep doing this and, and this can't be my life. You know, what, what was that process like for you? So Kyle, this is a great question. And the first thing I want to come back to, to explain how did my journey start that downward trajectory is something that I see in a lot of my clients and so many you know, engineers and really in any career is when we come out of our university and we enter our, our job, our professional life for the first time, there's a big shift that we don't really understand until we experience it. And it's the shift from living uh, a game of life that has very clear milestones. You know, every semester it's like finishing and getting the grades. It's getting to that driver's license. It's getting to that next milestone of life. Your, your whole childhood is built on milestone to milestone to milestone. There's these clear starting points and ending points. Then you go get a job and after six months and there's no semester break <laughs> and then six more months and there's no you know, grade change and then 18 months and you start to realize like, wait a minute, is, is this it? Like where, what, where does this whole thing go and how do we play this infinite game as Simon Sinek would call it? And for me, I really fell into that same challenge. Like I didn't know how to address this new chapter of life. Like the, they told me everything I needed to know to be an engineer at Purdue and do the math, but they didn't actually prepare me to become a professional, to start my career. And so what starts to happen is you look for the signals, the feedback of what's working, what's not working. You, you talk to other mentors or your boss, you look around you for social clues on how this whole thing works. And some things you're allowed to talk about and some things are, are taboo or you don't talk about and you're just trying to figure this out on your own. And what I see with people who have that engineering mindset, that deep analytical 
logical, maybe introversion as a, a bias in their personality type, is we lean on those strengths that got us to a level of success in our past life in university, which is isolate, study hard, keep practicing. If I'm not getting the results, put in more hours. You know, if you don't do well on the test, then you need to study harder for the next one. And a lot of that activity was great in college and it completely steers you the wrong direction in your in your career. You know, rather than isolating, you need to engage and ask questions. Rather than assume you need to just put in more time, we need to address the way we do the work. I mean, there's so many things that are opposite in that regard. And so for me, Kyle, I just kept iterating through these loops of saying, well, how do I get to the next level and the next level and the next level? And each time I took a step further away from my center and towards a thing that I never actually wanted, which was a lifestyle focused exclusively around just my career. And meanwhile, my college sweetheart and wife is over here at home and our marriage is failing. And instead of addressing that, I was so caught up in just, well, career is working. So I'm just going to spend more time over there rather than have the courage to focus on deal with some of these other things that are not working. And honestly, while it was happening, Kyle, I would have told you that everything was okay. I just had this couple of little things on the side that were not quite the way I wanted them, but you never would have known. I kept all that to myself, really, I'll say kept that secret in a way, because I just wanted people to see a version of me on the outside that looked good. And, you know, next thing I know, my wife wants a divorce, nothing's working, I'm crashing and burning, and there's no amount of time you can put in at work that makes all of that okay. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter anymore. Okay. And, and then it's like, well, what now? What have I done? I don't care about my career anymore because my personal life is falling apart, but I don't know how to solve this personal life thing either. Cause they didn't teach me that at Purdue and I'm stuck. As you kind of go through that, like what was there like an inflection point where you realize that, you know, I, this isn't going to work for me long-term or is it like an eventual, an eventual realization that uh, you, you come to that, uh, you think, you know, this isn't what I want, uh, to, to be doing, uh, long-term, whether that's, you know, solely focusing on, on your career or having, uh, not having the, the amount of balance that, that you feel like you need. Is it, is it kind of a gradual thing or is it kind of an, an epiphany? How, how do you come to the realization that, you know, you, you're something needs to change? I wish, Kyle, that I had paid more attention to the signals that life gave me along the way. But the truth is, in my story, the inflection point came because I went grinding to a halt along rock bottom. And so when you hit rock bottom, there's only one other direction to go, and that's up. And that that is what happened to me. But if you back up, you know, years before that, I was asking myself these questions, questions like, is this it? Questions like, where does my life go from here? What do I really want to do five and 10 years from now? Like, is this actually the life I want to build? You know, I was asking a lot of those questions, but ignoring the fact that I did not have a good answer. You know, I, I had problems in my marriage, but as I would talk to other engineers around the water cooler, they all had problems in their marriages too. And I just wrote it off as like, well, you know, this is what married, married life is hard. You know, it's okay to have some problems. And, and so I ignored that signal. You know, my, my family was saying, Hey, like we haven't heard from you much. You've been kind of distant. Uh, give me a call. You know, my mom's like, Hey, let's talk. You know, you haven't talked in three weeks, four weeks. And I ignored those signals of people who I loved reaching out to me and just saying, hey, where are you? What's going on? All of those opportunities to create an inflection point much sooner, I just passed by. And I guess the encouragement I would say is when you, when you feel that little sting, 
take action immediately to address it because you don't have to wait, you know, skin your face along rock bottom of your life. Like it doesn't have to be that way. But unfortunately, Kyle, so many people do wait to get help and take action until they've had some sort of true life altering consequence of the pattern that they've been in. I think that that is so true that <laughs> so, so many of us wait until kind of that big moment of, you know, this is uh, really kind of that big inflection point of, you know, this can't, this isn't sustainable or, you know, I right. can't go on like this, whether it's, um, you know, a big career moment or a big personal life moment when kind of, like you said, there are likely a lot of small moments leading up to that, that can be telling signs of, Hey, there's something that may need to change or, or kind of like those little pinpricks or, or little stings that are, are like, Hey, there are things that, uh, may not quite be right that, could lead to some sort of change. Uh, and I think that's, that's really telling and, and, and probably really helpful to be thinking about all along the way. Tell us a little bit more about how that led you uh, to transitioning from engineering or, or being an engineer into coaching, uh, coaching engineers and, and, and coaching leaders. During my post-divorce transformational time of recovery in my life, which included healing from the pain and the burnout and all the things that had happened negative in my, my experience. But in addition to counseling and therapy in pursuit of healing my heart and my life, I also hired my first coach. And I reached out to that coach and said, Hey, I've got you know, my counselor helping me with grief and the divorce and all of this. I need help on how to do my career differently. I still desire to be successful. I still desire high levels of leadership, high levels of income. You know, I, I want to be somebody in my career, but I know that what I was doing, I cannot go do it that way again. So I need help. Working with that coach was a massive, massive benefit for me. I, I loved it. So much came to the surface. I, I loved how it was focused on action, just the speed that it brought to me, the the courage that it brought to me, the support that I felt, the kind of having this person shoulder to shoulder with me going through my career and and asking new questions and really being relentless in the pursuit of new answers and then applying it. You're really learning fast. And it was shocking how quickly I created results, I ended up five promotions in five years, doubling my income quickly, honestly being able to do whatever I wanted with my career. I mean, it was so fun. And Kyle, I worked less hours, I mean, 40 to 45 hours a week on average that entire time. Sure, there's the occasional sprint, you know, you're going to have long weeks. And I actually enjoyed it because it was something that I was choosing. And I, I looked forward to those sprints because I knew there would be balance and recovery when I was done, it wasn't a pattern. It wasn't all the time. And so I took that coaching experience and I said, gosh, it helped me so much. I want to go train as a coach so that I can help the engineers on my team. You know, at this time I was already a senior manager. I had a team of engineers under me and I thought it would be a useful skill set as a leader to master the art of coaching because of how much it transformed my own life. And, and that's where it began. It was honestly just to help me advance in my career was the first reason I started coaching. And there was a point in that journey, Kyle, where in a way, call it my epiphany, the stars collided for me where I was taking a weekend for a, a period of what I call solitude and silence. I, I do a three-day fast. I do this once per quarter, have for years. So I take three days. I, I you know, only water. I don't eat anything. Um, I grab my journal and I just go off and get quiet and allow that time to really reflect and, and think and be present. And it was during my three-day fast in April of 2019 that I had this epiphany of, I love engineering so much. I love coaching. 
so much. And I have an entrepreneurial spirit that's been building in me over the years. You know, it's a whole nother conversation, but I had some side companies and I was looking at getting into private equity investing and just said, right at the center of these three things is a business that I was designed to start. Like it's, it's my purpose in life is becoming clear to take my engineering skill set and passion, my coaching skill set and passion, and my business skill set and passion, and start a company that brings that together. And Oweko was born that weekend. Um, I didn't know it would be called Oasis of Courage at the time, but that's where it began. And I would be lying if I said it wasn't hard to walk away from doing the work of an engineer and a leader because it's really fun to to be in that discipline and to do. Uh, these huge multi-million dollar projects and lead big teams. And, you know, I don't have that in my world today, but what I gained in being able to help individuals create radical transformation and their results for the better is worth it. I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. So, but yeah, it was a really unexpected thing, Kyle. And I think life is that way. We don't always see how the dots would connect as Steve Jobs famously said, you know, hindsight is where we can actually connect the dots, but um, it was it was that kind of journey of saying, well, this worked for me. How can I give it back to others? And then as I saw it start to work for others, I just said, wow, there's so many more people who need this and let's go. Um, I love that so much. That's incredible that it worked so well for you, especially coming back from um, having hitting rock bottom, like you described it, and then having so much success through coaching and, and mentoring and then you know deciding that that's something as a leader you wanted to do more of and then you know creating a business out of that 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 helps uh coach other engineers and leaders um i i kind of want to dive into that a little bit because um you know i don't think coaching and you know career coaching and and, and leadership coaching is as common as it probably could be, or, or even should be. And one, why do you think that is? And, and two, why do you, why do you think it is important to have a coach, you know, as a, 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 just within your career, but especially as a leader in order to develop some of these skills and, and, and just improve as you, as you go through, through your career. The word coach is, pretty tough to define. <laughs> and that's one reason this is a hard uh, area for folks. And uh, in the last decade, coaching as an industry has exploded. And and now, you know, somebody says they're a coach that can mean a hundred different things. And you can find a coach for every single possible skill that there is on the planet. And so to answer your question, like why is career coaching or the work that we do at Oweco less common when it has such powerful results, you'd think everybody would want to do it. Well, I think it's honestly very confusing and very misunderstood because, and you know, I want to call anybody out by name, but I'll just be honest. There's a lot of charlatans out there who are claiming to be great coaches who will take a lot of your money and give you very little in return. And so many folks, even clients I've worked with have had that experience before working with us. And it just breaks my heart because they're using this promise of a result, taking people's money, and then they're not able to help. And so, you know, that's part of it. And I think engineers in particular have a natural bias towards skepticism and the idea that somebody can come alongside and have a conversation with you and provide some tools and frameworks that could really, you know, transform your career. That's a stretch for some people. It's like, is that really true? Is that possible? And I respect that. I mean, I'm an engineer too. I'm very skeptical by nature. So, um, that's, I think, part of it. But, you know, the other reason with career coaching in particular, Kyle, is I think that sector of coaching has been branded as help with your resume, your LinkedIn profile and prepping for interviews. And those are good things. So I don't want to poo poo on that, but that is not the most important part of your career. Like, yeah, if you're in a transition and you need help with those things, it can be really important. But what we're talking about is thinking about your career as a professional and you know let's use sports as a metaphor it's easy to understand you know when is the time that a professional athlete needs a coach well 
it's almost a silly question. It's like, when is there a time that a professional athlete does not need a coach? I mean, I, I can't even imagine that they have multiple coaches. They have their, their physical training coach. They have their nutritionist, their nutrition coach. They have their head coach. They have their, you know, specialty, their O-line or D-line coach or their wide receiver coach or like they're surrounded by coaches. That's what makes them professionals. And in career, we've, basically handed the responsibility for that over to our manager and, or maybe if you're fortunate enough to have a great mentor, but you know, Kyle, that's not, that's not going to happen. Like those people are not trained to be great coaches. They're very rarely blessed with the time and energy to be able to invest in you the way a coach will. And it's, you know, if you really want to maximize your performance in career and life, you cannot rely and give that responsibility away to somebody who honestly is not, not qualified to do so. And, and the company doesn't have those resources. So, you know, that to me is the way I encourage people to think about it is you're a professional coaching is a proven, you know, uh, resource that is used across the board, which by the way, executives have known this for decades. I mean, people at the senior director, VP, CTO levels have had coaches, as long as I can ever remember. And I'm not sure when the first coach would have ever been named a coach, but it's like, we need to start adopting that mindset that it's really not about when do I need a coach? It's more about, is there ever a time where I don't need one? <laughs> and of course that sounds self-serving. I am a coach, but I also have three coaches right now. I believe in this wholeheartedly. You know, I have a physical trainer who's coaching me in, in fitness. I have my business coach and I have a marriage coach, you know, and I'm working on all three of these areas very disciplined way. So uh, I really practice what I preach in that regard. I don't say this without, you know, buying in wholeheartedly. So um, that, I think that makes so much sense. And I love the metaphor I, and I've used it before myself, like the idea that uh, we are, we're, professionals, all of us and everybody listening to this, like we're, we're professionals. And the fact that we do so little, uh, training and so little coaching is almost shocking to me. Yes. And I, I think whenever I think about that, it, it always baffles me that we get into our, our roles, uh, in companies or in businesses and, the amount of like training and coaching that we do goes to like zero and yeah. as literally as professionals, that's just, it, it really is shocking because uh, you, if you put that in like a sports context, uh, the amount of training and coaching and practicing that like professional athletes do is, is like 95% of what they do all the time is they're constantly training, constantly practicing, constantly being coached. Whereas what we do in a business setting is like, we're doing the work like 99% of the time. And like the amount of coaching and training and things like that, that we're doing is just the smallest amount. And we're just kind of expected to know what to do all the time. And then you get put into like a leadership or management position and you kind of take on the responsibility of having to coach and train and teach people when honestly, in most cases, you have absolutely no experience or training or coaching to take That's on right. those types of responsibilities. And it just kind of gets perpetuated. You usually have that role because you were good at what you were doing, not because you were good at coaching or, or training or that sort of thing. And it just, that's, that's pretty much business as usual, like good people take on more and more of these responsibilities without any sort of training or coaching until you get That's to exactly the very, very right. senior levels, at which point, you know, companies will sometimes hire executive coaches and, mm -hmm. and trainers and, you know, but that's just at the very, very top. And most people don't have access to that sort of thing until, you know, you're, you're very, very high up, which super, super unfortunate because all of us all the way up and down need that sort of coaching and training, at least in my opinion. So I, I, I love the example that you gave and, and the fact that it, it's not a, an out of, um, or it's not such an extreme thing when we think about it in other contexts, like, um, at the gym or in our marriages or other things like it, having coaches 
just, it makes a lot of sense. And, and so having that professionally, which we spend a lot of time on also makes sense and and it makes sense to me. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, one of the, well, let, let me ask a little bit about this too. Uh, who in your experience, uh, would benefit the most from coaching? You know, we've talked about this and the fact that, mm. uh, you know, probably mo- most of us and, and most of us yeah. need that, but who, who in your, who in your experience would benefit the most and, and who is, is really in need of, of coaching and career coaching, uh, the most at this point and, and who is not really receiving those benefits? This is a great question. And I get asked all the time, you know, who needs a coach who doesn't, when is the right time to get a coach? Let's take aside the fact that I do believe everyone can and will benefit from coaching. If you are coachable and ready to put in the work to improve yourself. But that said, if I was going to isolate who gets the most value from coaching, who experiences the biggest uh, transformation or the, the biggest leap in terms of growth and change in their results uh, from going through a coaching journey you know, with, with a company like ours or, or any great coach out there, I would say it's the people who come with the biggest goals the biggest expectation of the shift they want to make. So, you know, the the coach, it's not my job to tell you, Kyle, what you're supposed to want, (laughs) right? This is not uh, you coming to me to say, Zach, who do I want to be when I grow up? Like, that's a weird question, right? Like, why would I tell you who you want to be when you grow up? You come to me and say, Zach, I have this unmet, need or this big unrealized vision in my life and in my journey that I want to see significant change. I want to grow. I want to get there faster, or I want to get something even bigger than I've previously imagined, or I want to model what I'm seeing from so-and-so, like whatever that is. Well, the bigger the gap between where you're at today and what that thing is, those are the people who experience the biggest step function change in their life because the coaching is about helping you tap into all of what's available to you, the resources within you to get there faster and better and stronger and more confidently than you ever thought possible. But if you come to me with a small goal, we're going to see small change. If you come to me with a huge goal, then we have this, you know, unlimited amount of upside to grow into it. And so that's the people who benefit the most. Honestly, it's the people who are willing to challenge their own thinking of what's possible and come into the coaching. You know, the fancy word is container. We, we create this space to do the work together. And if you come into the coaching container with a huge ambition and a huge expectation, that's when I get so excited because those are the clients who now we can, through these little insights, through these new systems, these new tools, we can compound really powerful results. But if you come with only a small ambition, we can give you all the tools in the world, all the you know opportunity for breakthrough in the world, but you're not going to get anywhere because you don't have the desire. And so that would be my encouragement is just ask yourself, what do I want? You know, multiply that, go, go even bigger. And it doesn't have to mean money or titles or, you know, we're just talking career, but that could be any area of your life. You know, really stretch that out in terms of the experience of what you want to create and bring all of it to the coaching because now we have something really exciting to work with. Yeah. I think that that is great. You, you touched on this a little bit. Um, how, how can you tell a really good coach from maybe some of these not good coaches? Hmm. I wish there was a single simple sign that you could just say, if you see this run away, um, you know, there's a couple things I would say, you know, if you're, if you're looking at a coach and they have no, no track record of helping guide others to the success that you want, at least be extra careful in how you assess their qualification I will be honest, you know, if if that was the hard and fast rule, then no coach would ever be able to get started. And so in a way, 
uh, I don't think it's a total X, you know, I'm really thankful for the clients who trusted me with my first few, you know, uh, opportunities to support them before I had this business and, you know, hundreds of clients now that we can point to their success stories. But on day one, I had zero success stories. Right. So I think, you know, there's, it doesn't mean it can't happen, but just look for that. The other thing is coaching is about you, Kyle. It's about me as a coach helping to unlock what is already inside of you. And so one of the things I look for in coaching is when a coach promises that I am going to make some of this happen for you. Like it's about me and what I bring to the table and who I am as a person that's going to help you succeed. That's a challenging way to frame that. And it's not that you don't want a coach who isn't super qualified and has a proven system or track record. Absolutely. We want that. But, but just remember, you know, you're not trying to become the coach or, or have what they have. You're seeking to create your own vision, your own results. And so I would really be looking for the coach who's saying, I'm going to come alongside you I'm going to show you the proven pathways, the proven tools, the proven systems that have worked for hundreds of people before you. But ultimately, what we're going to do is help you become the most confident, decisive, resourceful, powerful version of yourself that you can be. And we're going to aim that energy in a way that's aligned with your values and vision. You know, and I'm going to be right there beside you, helping check you and guide you every step of the way. But at the end, Kyle, this is not me out in front of you. This is me shoulder to shoulder with you, helping you to become that engineering leader you want to be. So that's the energy of it. And again, it may not come through in the messaging on a website. For example, you, you may have to talk to this person and really get to know, but, but get a sense. Is there an ego and an arrogance about the coach because of who they are? If there is run away, you know, it's really about how they humbly enter into this with you and say, look, I may not have every answer. In fact, I know I don't have every answer because there's too many questions for me as one person to have every answer, but it's not about me having every answer. It's about me helping you find the right answer for you. And that's what I'm really good at. And we got a lot of tools at our disposal, but at the end of the day, you and I are going to partner in this and, and here we go. So that, that might help if someone's out there looking for a great coach Trust your instinct and, and I'd call it the energy around it. If it feels bad, it is bad when it comes to coaching. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really good advice. Um, how, how do you help people, one, find out uh, what it is that they're looking for? And then how do you help them take some of those next steps uh, to unlock some of that potential? Like, what does that look like? for, you know, for, for some of the people that you're coaching and, and either to help them move to some of the next phases of what they want or help them scale up some of their goals or, or, or 10 X their goals or, or whatever it is that they're looking to do, um, to, to move to the next phases of their career or their life or, or whatever it is that they they're trying to achieve. I like to think about our approach as two different complementary patterns of action. One of them is leveraging what every engineering leader is great at, which is, you know, systems, frameworks, tools, principles. You know, we, we all love a good first principle or a laws, the laws of physics, right? There are things that are proven, that are timeless, that work every time when used in the right context that we all need to build off of. I think of this as, you know, those core systems or the framework to, to structure our career building around. So this is the, the lattice that we're going to hang our individual goals and dreams on. But, but then the other side of coaching is the reality that you as a human, it's, it's messy. It's unpredictable. It's emotional. It's, it's hard to know how the dots will connect. And we need to be able to have this fluid, free, open dialogue to let anything come up that needs to come up. And so we need both. You know, if you enter into a coaching journey that is only A, then B, then C, then D, and I promise you, you're going to get what you want. 
that's something I would be wary of because not everybody is going to experience A, B, C, D the same way. But also, unfortunately, a lot of coaching, people just sit and talk. And, and not that you are not able to create a powerful, powerful conversation with meaningful actions and outcomes. But what I've seen with engineering leaders is that if all we do is enter into that, you know, consciousness and nebulous uh, ambiguity of our lives and we don't have a system of action and, and layer it in with the other side, then we also feel unsatisfied with the with the experience. And so for me, it's both. And what we've created is what's called the lifestyle engineering blueprint. That's our methodology. That's the system. And it's really rooted around three simple things. It's, it's mindsets at the foundation, skill sets that you must have to master and advance in your career. Um, and then, you know, the, the tool sets or the actions that you must take to apply those things. Great strategies without action, <laughs> pointless. Information without implementation, pointless. But all of that is built on mindsets or the proper thinking because the right action with the wrong mindset can still give you a bad result. And so that's, that's the way that we work through. And I'll just tell you every single career problem is solved in one of these three areas. And when you learn to rapidly assess and improve and change on these, it's shocking how quickly you can create clarity on what to do next, apply what you know, learn what you don't know, and then take action, which is, of course, it seems so obvious, Kyle, but engineers love to learn. You know, even this podcast, or I'm, I have a podcast as well, and people love to consume the information. But don't forget, without action, the information has no power. You know, knowledge is not power. That was only part of the story. Whoever said knowledge is power missed a key piece. <laughs> Implemented knowledge is power. You know, knowledge is a dusty book in the library down the street from me. It doesn't do anything if we don't apply it. So that's the way I approach it. And I think, again, a, an engineer needs both. If you only focus on systems and tools, you're going to miss the reality that you're not just a system. <laughs> you're a human and it can be messy. But also I know engineers get frustrated if all we do is talk around the messiness and emotionality of life without getting after some proven approaches. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. So I want to talk a little bit about something that we, we've touched on a little bit and, and that's burnout, uh, which is mm. such an important topic because I think that, uh, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about how, uh, that, you know, that was something that, that you were, were starting to face. And I know it's something that as we go through our careers, we, we face, um, either periodically or progressively, um, as, um, as engineers, as leaders, as pretty much everybody. Um, and you kind of touch on this as, uh, you know, trying to find not uh, work-life balance, but what you call whole life balance, I believe is, is yes, the phrase that you like yes. to use. Can you tell us, you know, what, uh, what is burnout to you and, and what is whole life balance in, in your view? These are both incredibly important distinctions. So we'll address them both independently and then connect the two. Burnout, for me, fundamentally, what I want people to know about burnout is that it's not just that rock bottom moment. People talk about burnout and they use the word burnout when they've reached a point where they have no more energy. They're, they're totally disconnected. They're frustrated. Their career has reached a standstill or maybe, you know, maybe they are getting results, but they just hate what they do or they, they're dreading Monday. You know, they've reached this really low point. And they say, oh, I, I burned out in my last job, you know, was, and think of a literal like flame out of it. Like you picture an airplane with no fuel, you know, just crashing to the ground. Like that's what I think culture has created around the idea of burnout. And I want to challenge you to think about burnout differently. Burnout is not the moment when the tank is empty. 
burnout is the experience of burning fuel faster than you refuel. So it begins the moment that your tank is lowering. <laughs> and, and people don't really realize this. If you just imagine an, an energy balance in your life every day, you know, you're doing things that are providing energy into your life. Okay. Physically, we could, of course, talk about sleeping and eating and fitness and these things, but, but also mentally and spiritually, these other forms of energy that we have. Some things are fueling you. Some things are draining you. Well, burnout begins when the, the net energy of your life is depleting. And, and that's why it's so stealthy, Kyle, because you don't, the first day that you're down a little bit, it's not going to derail your whole life. You know, and, and the next day you won't feel it and you won't feel it. And because it's so subtle, it starts to become a new normal. And it's not until you cross that threshold where you just say, okay, I can't take this anymore. And then we call it burnout. So I want to reframe that to say, no, burnout is the experience of burning fuel or burning energy faster than you're refueling or taking care of yourself to maintain that energy in your life. And energy is more important than time. People talk about burnout as long hours, but I will tell you with full conviction, it's not about hours. I know engineering leaders who work way more hours than I did when I was in my, my growth spurt there and doing 40, 45 hours who did not burn out. I work more than 45 hours a week now building my business and I'm not burning out. So it's about energy. It's not about time. Now to your point about balance. I dislike the phrase work-life balance for so many reasons. I appreciate the heart behind it. I think people who talk about it are well-intended, but here's why I don't like it. It immediately puts a picture in your mind, a mental model of a scale. When we use the word balance, you picture the scale. And on one side is work, and on the other side is life. And, and if work is going great, then life isn't. <laughs> And if life is going great, then work isn't. And we basically look at this and say, oh, okay, I need to somehow find a way on this teeter-totter of work and this thing called life um, and just try to keep them both okay somewhere in the middle. And you've never seen a scale where both of them go up together, <laughs> first of all, right? That's, that's not in the mental model of a balance. And, and also, work and life are not opposing things. Work is inside the Venn diagram that includes life. You know, work, work is a part of your life, not something separate from life. So all of it is broken for me. When you say work-life balance, the, the mental models it creates leads you to actions that won't solve the problem. So I call it whole life balance because we need a term. Why not <laughs> choose one? But the, the reality is you're seeking to take all of who you are. And avoid the pitfall of becoming one-dimensional or falling off you know, the bandwagon of your life in one direction because you've lost focus and intention in the other areas that matter. So what we do with our clients is look at the full picture. Who are you? You know, you're, a, you're an individual. You have a physical body to take care of. You have a mind and emotional health to take care of. You know, that's you. Well, you have relationships, some are more important than others, but we want to maintain those and have great relationships. You have a vocation, a career. You know, we want to build that. We want that to go well. You, know, you want to be able to give. You want to be generous in life. You know, and Let's talk about that. You have financial goals. You, have, you get the point. And we look at that full picture and ask, how am I doing? <laughs> how are we doing in all of these areas? And what does it look like to find balance from where I'm at right now. And the key thing I'll leave you with is this, Kyle. Balance is not a destination. Balance is a way of being. It's an always-on behavior. We're constantly finding balance, not achieving balance. Because as soon as you get to a point that feels like balance today... Well, tomorrow and the next day, it's like, oh, you start slipping towards that direction and then you need to course correct again. And then you're going to have that tough week where you need to put in 70 hours. Well, guess what? You're out of balance, but that could be a great thing. It might be exactly the right decision. I'm not here to say like 40 hours a week is the right answer. Some weeks, 40 is great. Some weeks, 70 is great. Some weeks, 20 is great. And balance is an active value. It's always on.
And so we take these two concepts and we connect the dots. Okay, burnout begins when energy starts depleting faster than you're refueling. And balance is about the whole picture of your life. And what we want to do is say, all right, am I maintaining the energy of my heart, mind, soul, body in every area of who I am? And if not, where is the depletion happening? And what action do I need to take? And we build all that into a really structured approach to help these engineers you know, do what we do best, <laughs> measure, learn, apply, and take action. And you know, we can take those strengths that make us great at work and apply them into building our personal life. I think that's incredible. I love, I love the, the model of the, the energy and, and the refueling because I think that gives a, a great picture of what uh, burnout really is because it is uh, a, a process that has a lot of the symptoms involved in it. It's not something that you just kind of reach and you're burned out. It, it's much more of a, a thing that happens over time and eventually you kind of reach it. And then this idea uh, that, that you talk about of really applying a, a whole life balance, uh, I think that just, that really resonates with me as well. Um, because it is, I think a lot of times we have this idea that, you know, we have, once we achieve something, then we'll be happy or, or we'll be there. And it's not about achieving. It's about uh, more a, a state of being or understanding that yes. this is going to be a pro not, not necessarily a process, but just a way that we are and not something that is achievable in the future, but just something that we have to embrace. And it, you know, we're, we're not going to at some point achieve work-life balance, but we have to have whole life balance uh, and, and something that we mm. we just have to understand is part of us. And we have to have a, a process for, for understanding where, what are all of the aspects of that and what might need to be addressed and what's the right thing for each of us. Because like you said, some people work might be more, some people might be less and that's a different thing for everybody and a different thing at different times. That's right. And there's no one right answer, but we have to be very cognizant of what those things are and where is the balance of each of those things. And and it's not, it's not some state to again, achieve in the future, which I think a lot of us can get hung up on. It's, it's much more yes. a state of being. Yes. When you hear yourself talking you know, in your own mind or literally out loud in a syntax that sounds like, well, one day when I get to this milestone or achieve this thing or have this paycheck or this title or finish this project or when I get to this future thing, then I will be happy, feel balanced, have freedom, whatever it is immediately throw the red flag. Like that is a huge warning that you have fallen into a pattern of, of pushing the life you want over that cognitive horizon into this future. That's one day going to be better. And, and while that seems noble, what you've actually done is just created a, an excuse, a justification for why we're not doing the hard thing right now to live balance right now. And I'm, I'm just waiting until then. Well, you can always create something better in your mind for the future. And, and what we want to do is pull that reality and stop saying, when I finish the project, I'm allowed to have balance and start asking, what will I do today to create energy and balance in my life today? Even if it's only five minutes, how do I begin? How do I be a balanced leader right now? And, and I think you said it well, Kyle, but I just, I think when you hear yourself in that syntax of when I, this, then I can have something that's an immediate, like call your coach, yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's get after it. Cause that's a problem. Yeah. That, that's so good. Um, so good. Zach, this has been a, a really, really, really great conversation. I, I've loved all of it. I feel like we could probably pull on a, a, whole, a number of different threads. Um, but 
Totally. Is there anything else that we we've talked about or haven't talked about that, that you wanted to, to, to bring up or, or, or kind of dive in a little bit more before we, we wrap it up. I have a couple of, of final questions, but anything else that, that you wanted to, to touch on? I think the only other thing I'll mention, and it, it somewhat came up earlier, Kyle, but when you think about your career and, and growth, I want to relate it. I'm a mechanical engineer, so we'll talk about physics for a second. It's a lot easier to keep a flywheel spinning than to start it from no motion at all. And I just want to encourage you know everyone to consider you know, don't wait for you to feel like things are slowing down and, and going the wrong direction. Don't wait until you've been passed over for promotion two or three times or until you're so unhappy in your current career path that you dread going into work on Monday morning. It's because of the Sunday scaries, you know, where Sunday afternoon, you feel that depression kicking in. You don't wait for that moment to go work with a coach and be a pro because it's, it's fun to do coaching when you're crushing it, when things are going well, you know, that's a really powerful time to accelerate and build good habits, good mindsets, good patterns that are going to help you in the future. Not to say if someone already is in a negative place, you know, don't get a coach. Like, of course it's, it's powerful then too. But I think sometimes we have this paradigm that, you know, coaches are for low performers or when things are not going well or whatever, back to that sports metaphor. It's like, no, no, no. The best players have the best coaches. The best players have the best coaches. And if you aspire to peak performance in your life, then get started now. Don't, don't wait. That's great. Yeah. I agree. 100%. Um, awesome. Well, Zach, where can people go to find out more about, uh, you, uh, coaching, uh, anything that you're working on? Like yourself, Kyle, I am a podcast host and I would honestly recommend everyone, if this conversation interests you and you want to go deeper into lifestyle engineering and the work that we do at Oasis of Courage, just go tune in to the Happy Engineer podcast. You can find it wherever you're listening to this show. You can also hit thehappyengineerpodcast.com if you want to see all the episodes and get you know additional content and, and blogs and things related to the show. But you know, we give away some of the same exact tools and concepts and ideas that we use with our paying clients there on the show. And it's a great place for people to get to know me better and, and start really understanding and applying the principles of lifestyle engineering and how we achieve these results. So I, I would encourage folks start there and, you know, on that website, you can find all the contact information. If you do want to connect with me directly, you know, email and you can book a call for free with me and my team to really dig into your situation if you need help. So the happy engineer podcast.com. Awesome. We'll put that link in the show notes. Um, all right. Well, I had two wrap up questions for you, uh, as, as we kind of end it, uh, which is our, our shout outs and gripes. Uh, if you have a, a shout out, uh, or a gripe, a shout out to anything that you have watched or read or listened to recently that you have found particularly good or interesting. There's a hundred shout outs I could make when it comes to reading. I do believe that leaders are readers, but one that has stood out to me lately, I went back to the amazing leadership books by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, uh, extreme ownership and the dichotomy of leadership. Those two books, I know for some people who don't appreciate the war stories or metaphors as much, I understand that, but I do highly encourage everyone to grab those two books and read them because I think the principles of leadership that are presented are so true and timeless. And um, so, yeah, the dichotomy of leadership is. I just finished it for the second time and reminded about how many of these paradoxes or dichotomies we face as leaders that are difficult to navigate. And we tend to have a, a favorite side of the coin that we operate in. And it's very important to learn to become aware and master both sides, uh, you know, whether that's 
tough love versus empathy or, you know, a hundred other examples of, of these dichotomies. So those would be my shout outs from recently. I, I love Jocko and his work and those are both great books. Th- those are both great books. I, I am a big fan of both of them. And, uh, I always go back to extreme ownership as well. Like that, um, so both really, really good books. Yeah. Lo- love them. Um, awesome. And any products that you have used recently, uh, could be digital or physical that you have liked or, or disliked. You can, you can shout out or, or not. Yeah. Wow. You know, there's so many little things I could point to, but I'll, I'll grab a couple. One, I'm going to get on my desk here, unplug this. I, I just got a set of these Beats Pro, the, I think Apple owns Beats by Dre now. And I wanted something new for coaching when I'm just on the phone. And these Bluetooth earbuds are just phenomenal. I was so impressed, not just by the audio quality and the performance of the product, but how easy it was. So in the spirit of you know, yeah. product by design and UX and, and consumer experience. I got these things out of the box. They had, you know, some charge already. I open up the case, my phone connected immediately. I do have an iPhone. So I think that's part of why, but that interface between the two is brilliant. I mean, I had literally nothing to do, but slip it on my ear and we were off to the races. And uh, I think this is a best in class product. In my opinion, I was really impressed. Um, I'll tell you on a gripe side here, I got a gripe from this morning, Kyle. I didn't even think about this. My wife's Nissan Murano. And if anybody works at Nissan, I love you. This is not meant to be an insult to you, but the uh, driver and passenger seats have heated and cooled seats, which is such a wonderful feature until it's not AKA uh, or, or what's going on. One of them is making this horrific noise. So the, there's like the fan or something in there is, is, hitting something and it's like really loud and obnoxious and the other one went out completely well it's a 2015 so seven years like okay maybe i could buy into a feature like that cutting out but we lost both seats already and we took it into you know quote the repair and that that module you have to replace the whole thing it's like a thousand bucks a seat (laughs) and i was like too, too grand to turn on the, uh, anyway, I was kind of frustrated and I know engineers who are in this, this world, you know, that design for service is such a tough trade-off yeah. and I'm sure there's an engineer somewhere who begged the service team to, you know, be able to do smaller level repairs, but it probably wasn't the right business decision. And as a consumer, I'm paying the price now. I'm just going to leave them broken because I don't want to pay two grand plus for new seat heaters. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I gripe those types of designs. <laughs> I, I seriously wonder about sometimes. Um, yeah. And that's the trade-offs of being able to service versus probably the cost of the, uh, of designing it a little bit better, which I, I imagine is probably dollars versus the thousand dollars now. Um, we can speculate. I would be more than honored to get an email from a Nissan seat engineer. If anybody is listening, you can correct me. I, I will humbly admit if I'm being too harsh on your designs, but uh, I was frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Zach, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and I think we have covered a ton of ground. We could probably cover a ton more, but uh, for anybody who wants to learn more we will put the link to zach's podcast in the show notes and you can go check out more there and connect with zach Uh, again zach thank you so much for all of your insight this has been a great conversation uh kyle thanks for the invitation and i just want to acknowledge you too man your show is phenomenal the value that you bring with every guest and your own insights is tremendous i'm honored to be among among those who you've chosen to bring on the show and for certain if any of your listeners do need help or just want to explore or get more insight around what coaching would look like to accelerate their career you'll please come check out the podcast and and jump on the website and book a call i mean i 
be happy to give you a free session. We can support you as much as possible and really show with you honestly what that looks like. And just tell us, you know, you found us from, from Kyle and product by design, and we'll get you set up with some, some free coaching. So it'd be an absolute honor to do that. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you again next time. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at prod by design. That's prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter product thinking at productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kaya Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.